I would summarize what you were saying and Joseph saying with a few words, accelerated start date would be one of them. Teamwork is another one. Um, architects and designers are really good at what they do. We're really good at building. And when you yeah. put design together with build and the contractor is the first point of contact who wants to build your job, we are going to work with you throughout the planning and design and architecture process so that it's buildable and achievable for your budget. Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. Our guests today are Melissa and Joseph Irons of Irons Brothers Construction. Irons Brothers is a multi-award-winning family business specializing in custom remodels. They have built a reputation over the past 25 years as one of the premier home remodeling companies in the state of Washington. Joseph and Melissa will share with us some of the ins and outs of turning a home that is mostly functional into your dream home. Welcome to the program, Joseph and Melissa. Hello. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite, Kevin. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm just going to jump right in because I know you guys have been doing remodels for a quarter of a century. Uh, you got clients that uh, range the full gamut of what their needs are. But one of the, the needs that is really pressing and will grow is the number of families who bought homes during the COVID um, pandemic when there was a, a, a waiting line outside the front door to get in and tour the home. And there were multiple off offers and people were taking homes that weren't exactly a fit for their modern life, but they just had to buy something. So they bought a home and now they're in, but they realized that for the home to be really usable for their family, they are going to need to do some changes, do some remodels. So I'm hoping you can walk us through I'm in that position. I'm not quite ready to start the remodel today, but I do want to do something with this home to make it more usable for my family. Where do I start? Knowing your needs and wants is the first start. Most people buy homes, locations, parks, schools, churches, neighborhood, healthcare facilities, um, obviously views, but bedrooms and bathrooms are a minimum. Many times the kitchens and bathrooms are not up to everyone's standards. That's probably the number one need we see in a home as you were saying we do a lot of aging in place work a lot of those homes are we're changing so those bathrooms are meeting their aging needs a lot of times that's pulling out a bathtub putting a shower unit in um, but it's not just that simply it's a whole primary suite that usually gets taken into account um, those are probably our number one projects primary suites um, but we do a, a lot of whole homes major additions and ground up construction too kevin so I would imagine um, planning is a part of moving me from, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I want to remodel some or all of this home to actually starting the construction work. Can you talk a little bit, Melissa, about the husband and wife come, they're sitting down in your office. How do you help them during that planning stage? Great question, Kevin. And for us, it could be a multi-generational household. We have children with parents that come in 
uh, we have sisters, brothers, you name it. Um, so the, the, the homeowners or the decision makers vary at the table. And really, where do we suggest they start uh, before they come in and schedule an appointment? Uh, we send them a questionnaire to start thinking about what is most important in the project. But really, it's a deep dive into who they are as people. So we can also get to know how we're going to be able to help them. The process is a systemized process with our company. Every homeowner goes through the same process when they consult with us. But really, where do they start first? Do your research. Um, and what I mean by that is you can interview multiple contractors. In fact, we encourage that. Everybody may not be the right contractor for each homeowner. You need to do some research. You need to do some homework, interview some people, look at some websites. We recommend looking local. We recommend, um, in fact, on our website, we have a page called the Consumer Tips, and there is a 10-tip list of how to verify your contractor is a professional. Um, and just because those links are there and those tips are there doesn't mean you don't need to do your due diligence. It's beyond searching the internet, asking your neighbors for references, asking contractors for references. There's no license requirement in the state of Washington. We register as a contractor. So our knowledge base is going to vary based on each contractor's experience level. Um, so there's a big gamut of where to start. The other piece is, is the design and your needs, wants, icing on the cake, Joseph talked about, but don't just do research on contractors or design build firms like what we are. You also wanna research maybe your products you're interested in, the rooms of the house. You can go on House or Pinterest or other websites and find out what style you're looking for. Um, all of those things are really going to help us as professionals to guide you to where that systemized process goes. And that's a great starting point. So if I were to just pull out a couple of, uh, of things that resonated with me, you're saying, although it's common for the homeowner to ask family and friends and neighbors for references, you're saying, don't just go on that, dig deeper, go on and do some research to make sure that the company that you are putting into that list of three or four, whatever it is, companies that you're going to interview, they've checked all the boxes, all the, all the things that would lead the average person to say that is a credible business that has a good, strong record from everything I can see. Now, let me interview a few of these companies to see who I feel that connection with. Is that fair? That is a great start, Kevin. I would go a little further. As Melissa said, there's no educational, well, she said no license requirement besides uh, right, being registered as a contractor in the state. There's no educational component. So for me, someone may be an amazing deck contractor, but they don't know the first thing about bathroom remodeling. But okay. their license... With the state, their registration allows them to do any home improvement as a general contractor. Okay. So hire someone with experience in what you're looking for. If you're looking for a high-performance home, you want someone that has experience building towards that. You're looking for yeah. an aging in place contractor, you want someone with experience in that. We all we don't compete many with a lot of contractors. We people do business and they'll like and trust. So we're the first to say, 
interview 20 people, interview three people, interview till you find the right gut feeling that that contractor has experience in the type of work you want to have done. And they're going to show up. Melissa talked about hiring local. We work <laughs> about a 10 mile radius. If I had to drive, we're in city of shoreline, which is 12 square miles. And it's, you know, it borders Seattle, which is 143 square miles. We don't service all of Seattle, but we service from basically the stadiums up I-90 up to Edmonds. We couldn't service south of Tacoma or east side of Bellevue and give the same level of service as our clients expect. So you want to make sure the company you're dealing with works in your area, knows the local codes, even in our little 10-mile-ish radius. Um, that's like two dozen jurisdictions from Kenmore to Lake Forest Park. To right. Like- Paris, Linwood, Seattle, Shoreline, exactly. uh, Edmonds, Woodway, like, and keep going on, unincorporated stuff. So in every jurisdiction, does their inspections, it's a little bit different. Their permit process is a little bit different. Their interpretation of the codes and local amendments are a little bit different. So, um, And the supply houses, if we know all the supply houses, we're more efficient on that. But with anyone you hire, if you hire local, they're going to have, all, they should have all those advantages and make sure they have the experience and the type of work. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, the one thing she didn't touch on is in our first meetings, we have our whole process we go through, but before we leave that meeting, and this is after they've done some homework and filled out a couple of questionnaires for us, we want to know what their scope is, what their budget is, and what their timeline is. We have to agree on that or we need to adjust them. Many times people see, uh, oh my God, I'm thinking the flip shows and stuff that just happens mm-hmm. overnight. TV. Yeah, which is great. But the realistic, they're not realistic on schedules and timelines. Um, you know, the cost in our area is far greater than the Midwest. I mean, the cost of somebody right. locating, they don't necessarily know all the costs. Um, but it's our job as professionals to discuss the budget, even though no one likes to. It's our job to discuss the schedule. If you want it done by, you know, the holidays next year, great. We can probably make that happen, but it depends on that scope. We may not be able to make it happen a year in advance. So the more complex a project most of most of our projects are in critical areas as well okay so it's not just building it's building with a heron nest it's building with a swamp in the backyard it's building with trees everywhere um yes. there's so many critical area components in the greater seattle area that we have to address oh man you've covered some really great ones and what i would add on to what you just said <clears throat> joseph is that um we covered in an earlier um program that in your if you're starting to do this research, the cost versus value survey can give you a sense of of um, w- the cost of undertaking this uh, project. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Melissa, you, you and Joseph do use the cost versus value survey to some extent when you're working with clients. Is that correct? It is. We use it. Definitely on kitchens and bathrooms because it's okay. a very cut and dry thing. And many times I'll go year after year. I'll show the last two because the current one shows, I think they're like 30% returns on kitchen remodels with the year before was upper 60s. So um, don't quote me on those numbers, but there's a vast difference from the 2023 report that uses 2022 numbers on the resale value mm-hmm. than, the, than the year prior. But it's a guy. <laughs> What's that? It's a guide. It's not. It's good. It's to use that and typically fall in the upscale category. I tell people um, and use that as a starting point for budgets. And if those aren't in your starting point, we're probably not the right fit to start with. Um, Cause that's typically what 
it costs in our market. We don't use it for the resale portion they use it for because most of our clients, frankly, don't plan on moving uh, right. to their forever home. Yeah, that's perfect because that's really what we're talking about. That's the theme of this program. It's how to build that forever home that you're comfortable with and that reflects your life, your family's life, the things that are important to you. It's hard to get that into the home when you're just buying someone else's home. And so that's one of the cool things about working with um, Irons Brothers is that I know that that's a big deal to you. You're interviewing the clients to find out what's important to them. And you're finding ways to bring that into the living space so that it can just be that forever home. And Melissa mentioned us being design build three quarters of our project or, you know, dirt to keys. We're doing everything from coordinating all the design professionals to the construction, to the warranty process. About a quarter of those clients come with us with a set of drawings and plans. And even those typically were adding a design element too, because they're not, they're not, they're permittable, but they're not buildable. All okay. the pieces aren't selected. There may be allowances. And before we start construction, we're very determined to make sure everything is selected from the hardware to grout colors, paint colors. Cause I have to tell our clients, if you don't have time to do it now, you're not going to have time during construction. <laughs> um, doesn't That's mean they can't change, <laughs> change the paint color, but if you don't have time to do it before, we don't want to be having a clock running on carpenters, electricians, and plumbers waiting for answers um, in the middle of construction. And yeah. if I might chime yeah. in, um, Joseph reminded me something about where do I start? Well, when you get to the point when you're going to be interviewing contractors, whether it's local to you or they're on a video platform, um, the interactions that we have had over the past couple of years, certainly for some people is easier now because they can be remote. Um, we don't necessarily find that to be um, the best engagement and the best way to meet and actually talk with those that we are going to be in their homes working with them. Um, so one of the one of the expectations we set at the very onset is that we need all decision makers to be at the appointments. And that's from the very first appointment. If they are going to invest the time, money, planning, budget, scope, all the work that goes into preparing for a project um, is, is really just as important as when we're diving in deep to the construction schedule. And if both or all four or however many parties are a part of the decision-making process, don't participate from the onset. They don't get the same level of knowledge that at least our firm has to offer in what's gonna happen next. We don't, and I'll clarify, we don't make them attend every meeting, but they have to be at the meeting. We're talking about scope and budget and time. Yeah. Cause we want everyone on the same page there. They have to be at the contract signing to make sure these are all the agreements where terms are agreeing to. And the first initial construction work order of the scope that we agreed that we're moving forward with. Those are the ones that we need them at. And I guess intent for construction. When <laughs> There's a lot of meetings. There's three to four that are mandatory. Other ones, if one of the parties doesn't care about the design, doesn't care about something else, they just sign the checks, who knows? We're less concerned about that, but we want to make sure they're clear on scope, budget, design, and the contract terms. We don't want anyone surprised halfway through. 
I really love what you're uh, outlining there because what it says to me is Irons Brothers has worked with so many clients over so many years that we know what can get a project up and running and make the whole process enjoyable and get you your dream home. We know what that takes. There can be exceptions in the process, but we'll, we'll at least make you aware that if you're asking for an exception, somebody can't be here, we will at least let you know that this is the kind of discussion that person needs to be at. And so it helps, it, it helps minimize um, challenges. Is that an okay summary? Yes. Communication is key. So even just to know the role that person's going to be and have them speak up at the meeting helps us know, no, I want to be involved in this portion of the project. I don't care about the rest. And we'll say, that's great. We still need the contract signing. We have this work order. Yeah. The rest, you don't need to pick out what wall color, what flooring, that's X, Y, or Z person. So um, if you know that this home will be in the family for a long time, and maybe it will be passed to the second generation, have them come, get them involved at the onset so that their voice is at the table. Um, and so really that's what we're trying to communicate is it, it on, on the construction side, it takes a village on the planning side. It takes everybody that yeah. needs to be involved. And um, so we want active communication yeah. and involvement from the very beginning, all the way to the end. From all the decision makers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that will deliver the best results. That's great. Well, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to have you guys talk a little bit about um, remodel home tours. I know that you've been active in uh, both your local builders association and that a number of builders associations throughout the country put on home tours. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about what can I, as someone thinking about remodeling my home, gain by visiting a remodel home tour. So we'll, we'll leave it at that and we'll jump right into that question when we come back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll see you in a few moments. Did you know that with certain designs and construction techniques, you can completely eliminate the cost of heating and cooling your home each month? For some homeowners, that can represent a savings of $5,000 to $10,000 a year with no loss in comfort. Want to learn more? Be sure and listen to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. Our guests today are Joseph and Melissa Irons of Irons Brothers Construction. They've been helping us to get a sense for what's involved in remodeling your home. And now what I want to talk about is remodeled home tours. So Joe and Melissa are very active in their local home builders association. And it is common for home builder associations to sponsor annual events where a select number of highly respected builders are asked to create a, uh, a home that can then be showcased to the community. I know that Joseph and uh, Melissa have participated in a number of remodeled home tours. So my question is, what can a homeowner learn from uh, touring 
uh, a remodeled home tour. A few big things about touring a home. One, you get to see the latest and greatest design trends, product uses, different methods of using different products. Most importantly for us as a builder, we get to interview clients as well as they're interviewing us when they tour the home. Yeah. Right fit. Uh, when clients come in, it's, if there's an issue, who do you want to sit across the table from? First of all, when we're touring home, we're super honored because someone opened up their house. They were that happy with us and other builders to open up the home to let hundreds of people go through it. We just right. had it for last month, had over 200 people in on a Saturday. And those are all many are neighbors around the block, too. But many are just strangers that want to see what's going on. Um, so if someone's opened the home, you know they have that trust with their client. We take it very seriously, um, do a lot of security protocols in place. I won't get into all that, but we do make sure people are respecting the house or walking through. We're the ones opening cabinets and doors so they're not, you know, peeking in the wrong ones. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes into a tour, but it's really just seeing the craftsmanship up close and personal. We all can, you know, there's virtual tours are in 2020. I'm like, great, that's a website. We have virtual tours on our website, which is nice. You can go through, see the 360s, but you can't quite see the same quality and the same perspectives when you're in person. Yeah, you know, um, through a number of associations, the uh, NAHB, which you're actively uh, engaged in, and for me also through the AIA, we do a number of home tours. And the point that you made uh, just totally resonates with me. There's a total difference between looking at an image on a website and walking into the home and seeing all the little uh, examples of craftsmanship that the builder has brought to that project. It's not the same. You gotta, you gotta experience it like your dinner guests will experience it when they walk in the front door and they see just some beautiful example of craftsmanship. And they say, so-and-so, that's absolutely gorgeous. Where where did that come from? And then the homeowner has the opportunity to tell a little bit of the backstory. He said, well, you know, that actually was from my grandmother's house back in the blah, 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 blah. And it just makes it fun. I mean, that's the kind of thing, would you agree, that really makes des designing someone's dream home really worthwhile? Absolutely, Kevin. Um, to tag on to your discussion about being in person, seeing the craftsmanship, I also wanted to bring up how much um, the transitions will show when you're in person. So when I say transition, um, whether we're working on a whole house remodel on the interior and reef, renovating the whole thing, or a portion of the home, there is transitions from the existing structure to the new structure and how those were handled. Does okay. the envelope match in full circle to what the actual charm of the house was in its existence? Okay. So whether it was a historic home or a 1980s home, most of the homes we work on are old homes in our, in our area. Um, but the transformation and the transitions is something that is really helpful to look at when you're touring a home in person. And you can't get that on a video or a photo because you don't really see or understand the before and after as right. well as you do in person. And I, yeah. 
think what Melissa is getting at is all our clients want modern amenities and we make sure they have the modern appliances, modern networks, modern, you know, touchdown stations, whatever they need, but they want that craftsmanship and the historic look or the mid-century modern or whatever design element they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing, when you said transitions, I was thinking between rooms, we try to make a barrier free environment. So they're in the house. There's not a big lift to get in the kitchen or the bathroom. Everything is flush. Um, so it's accessible for everyone, but frankly, it's just good design. Um, a lot of older homes may have been remodeled three, four times and had not had the best work done. Um, sometimes also when people show up, we can show, Hey, we did this material here, not just for design element, for a maintenance element. You're never Mm going to be able to get into the paint. We put some wood in there. We did this, we, whatever we did to make those transitions with the craftsmanship, a lot of times it's for durability as well. Those are great points. And I like the idea that you said most <clears throat> most clients are going to want modern appliances, but not necessarily a modern design style for the home. There's some people want both, but you're saying that you can you can work with clients who say, I, I'm not into modern design. I want the, the character of the home, the mid-century modern, a design style, but I want inside to work for the the needs of my modern family. Is that a, a fair statement? Absolutely. Perfect. All right. So let's then move on. I'm hoping that you guys will take a few moments and tell us a little bit about the firm. So I know that you've been doing this for a while, 25 years now. I would guess that's hundreds of homes. Uh How'd you get into the business? What brought you to the business? What do you love? Um, what are you, what, I know, Joe, you've, you've been so involved in the local building association and the NAHB. What kinds of things do you try to share and impart to your employees to help them be that really amazing part of the process that you guys uh, basically demand from your employees? So just, get into telling us a little bit about the firm. Well, it's an exciting time for us. In January, it is celebrating 25 years. I started off, I was very young, 22 years of age, just turned 22, decided to start a construction company. My oldest brother, who was 42, 20 years older than I was. Um, when I was young, I was built with you know Legos and Erector sets and <laughs> helped my brother on construction jobs and my dad around the house um on construction so i always loved building things and just making change um in 99 started the company that lasted about a couple years i realized i had a different vision for the company my oldest brother then i became a sole proprietor or sole proprietor and partnership in 03 actually incorporated um melissa joined the company in 08 officially that's Um, when things really took off yeah (laughs) absolutely um and i would say actually 03 was probably the biggest launch. And that was after I joined our local home builders association. And I joined just because all the reputable contractors I saw were a member. And as I started going through their educational program, I realized, Hey, this isn't just a job. It's a career. Cause back then my day it was everyone goes to college, 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 college. I had a two-year degree in criminal justice from the shoreline community college, which was great. Just basic sociology classes and uh-huh. logic classes and things that, 
transfer contracts classes, interviewing witnesses. I just interview clients now. <laughs> uh, but all the, a lot of that stuff can transfer. Education, I'm always a fan of. Whether it's whatever someone's trade is, we have so many highly educated carpenters in the field. So I'm not the one to say don't go to college, but more education is key. And we brought that as, as I've grown with the company. We also have company, uh, oh my God, uh, core values. And one of those is continuing education. Um, and I don't think those have changed in close to 20 years now. And one nice. of those continuing education, community involvement, um, green practices, professionalism, worksite safety, superior customer service, and high quality craftsmanship. Um, but as I go through our core values, those are things we want every staff. We always hire good people. We range from about 10 to 13 people any given year. Um we always hire good people. Sometimes we train them two up and there's no more opportunity in our company and they end up running their own companies, going for another company. Yep. We wish them success, but we know we did a good job as long as they had a leg up doing something. And we like training people. Um, we do have a, I have two daughters, 13 and 15, who will be taken over one Congratulations. day. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, the company has gone through a lot of, re, you know, the name's been the same Irons Brothers since the beginning, Irons Brothers Construction. But uh, when Irons Brothers Constructions changed the logo probably five times in the 25 years, and the fifth time is now, it's shortening from Irons Brothers Construction Design Build Center to Irons Design Build Center. Uh, Do we need a drum roll right here? Yeah. Right? Exciting. <laughs> um, especially since there's no more brothers officially involved. I mean, I, I'm number seven of eight. I have three brothers uh, living in one past before me. So I, there's lots of brothers and family, but uh, as we move on and have a different location, we've been in Shoreline since 1999 also, which is, like I said earlier, a small city in the Puget Sound. It borders Seattle, 12 square miles. We started in our townhome that we rented. Then we went to our house and it moved to, was it our kitchen first? Mm-hmm. Little table in our kitchen, then it nice. went to the whole one room in the basement, then the whole basement, then at one point the whole house was under construction. Um, 08, we officially moved to our current location now, been here pushing 15 years now. And the 16th year, 25th year of business, we'll have a new location uh, on Highway 99, which is one of the busiest highways probably in our state, definitely the Seattle area. Congratulations um, on that. It's exciting. Um, no one likes to move. It's a lot of work and it's always a lot easier to spend other people's money, especially when you know how to do it right. Uh, but it's exciting and there's been a lot of change over the years, but the consistency has been our core values, our systems. Um, I like to tell people I'm a neighborhood activist and philanthropist. I fight for equality. I fight for small business and I fight for, fight for home building at all levels of government. Yeah, I do know that about you. Um, you are well-respected at both the local Builders Association and at uh, NAHB National. And not every contractor gets engaged in those associations um, and gives back, but your firm does. You are engaged. You um, you treat the opportunities that you've been given the ones that you've uh, taken advantage of as an opportunity to to give back to share knowledge with the young people coming up and uh i i I give you a big round of applause we need more more uh contractors like you melissa and joseph and we frankly do it because we 
we get more than we give every time. I mean, we give an event, it fills our heart and it also helps us help the next generation. I wouldn't be where I was today if I wasn't around other successful builders or remodelers or Melissa um, to talk. She was last year's remodelers council chair and leading the the drive for the, you know, women in construction as well and leadership and not just the office lady. I had to push Melissa probably 10 years ago instead of saying she works with her husband. Like, no, you're my partner. We work together in this. So supporting each other. um, And on the construction side, you know, the education, being able to pick up a phone and call any other successful model in the area and they're going to answer, we're not competing. We're going to say, what's the best practice for this? I'm having a problem and we're going to help solve it together. Um, permitting is everyone's issue. That's something we right. talk about a lot, but these are things that we can all agree on. How do we move the needle? Um, education, we all want smarter contractors and people. We all want more workforce development. Um, so they're really non-competing issues. It's like, how do we do a better job and help everyone rise? Yeah, yeah that that's well said. The rising tide, that's the perfect example. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, before we do, we'll go... Before we do, though, set the stage. I know that that you guys have a lot of talent on your team, and I know that you have other strategic partnerships with other contributors to the built environment. Um, We know how popular kitchen remodels are. We know how popular bathroom remodels are. Can you talk about when and how you use those third-party contributors uh, and and when when a person should should look for uh, an architect versus a design-build firm. So three elements there, all kind of associated with uh, people that you uh, choose to work with to help deliver the solution for the client. So you've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be right back. Did you know that you can design a custom home that not only comfortably meets your needs today, it can easily accommodate your future needs if an unexpected mobility-limiting event affects someone in your family? To learn how the principles of universal design can make your custom home more comfortable today while potentially increasing your property's resale value tomorrow, listen to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. In case you're just joining us, this is Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and with us today is Melissa and Joseph Irons of Irons Brothers Construction. Right before the break, I mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit about working with third-party organizations that are a part of the design and build of a custom home. Architects, interior designers, these are the uh, individuals that uh, we're dealing with. So maybe I could ask you, Melissa and Joseph, to talk about that. When and where do you engage these professionals? Kevin, design and build versus design then build is a big buzz term. Joseph actually speaks about some of this uh, when he gives presentations at the Home Show mm-hmm. and the Northwest Remodel Expo. So, yeah, very poignant topics. We actually prefer and have always um, in the past 25 years 
contracted our design and architecture to professionals in our local building industry, our local association, our local chamber of commerce, partners that we um, choose to partner with on a professional level, um, certified kitchen designers, certified bathroom designers, and they're not our employees. Our employees are very much focused on guiding the system and the process that we have in place at our company. And the design is left to the professional designers. However, okay. it's all under our umbrella as the builder. Okay. And I will say to homeowners time and time again, designers are really great at the finishes and the looks and putting it all together. And when we walk away, you can tell that that home has had a designer involved in the project. 90% of the projects on our website, that's going to be the case. Um, and what that looks like is because of their expertise in a certain type of project that each of our homeowners customize to their own needs. And I would add a lot more there. Just we hire professionals to get a professional job. So interior designers are great at finding those cool products and elements. We use architects for any obviously ground up construction, any major remodel that we're moving walls, roofs, ceilings, dormers, any addition, we're, there's no brainer. We have an architect involved. We don't use an architect to find the finishes in kitchens and bathrooms. We use them okay. for general space planning, um, code compliance, land use compliance. Um, it's very easy to make a project look good. It's a lot harder to make it functional. And that's where <laughs> these professionals come in, architects, designers, and we typically in our process would start with an architect. Let's say we're doing a third floor addition. We would start with an architect because one, they're going to make sure they're code compliant. They're going to help make sure we're getting permitting in time. Right. But we don't need a full set of drawings on a residential job to get a permit for building. They don't care what color the counters are, or cabinets or walls or what the flooring is half the time. So, but we do need to make sure the structure's there. It's, it's code compliance for zoning, land use, height restriction, setbacks. Um, they also are going to know up front, hey, we're a little too close to the lot. We probably need to get a survey here. Oh, the code's going to require an arborist, you know, to get a report for these trees. Oh, we're on this hillside or steep slope. We need to get a, <laughs> not just a structural engineer, but a geotech involved. Um, so they're, we're one of the most regulated industries. So they're sort of the QB on the zoning and permitting side, the architect. Okay. And then we pull the interior designer in after we get a set of floor plans that the client approves and then we start making it pretty um getting the functionality out of it if the designer says can we move the window four feet this way or two inches this way or can we move this post we're doing that before we get the engineering so we also have structural engineers in and most architects now don't want to do the engineering so we have a separate structural engineer yeah. um, but that's after so it starts with the architect then the designer architect talking together any structure is done after that. We have a basic idea how we're going to build it, but we don't have all the calcs. That's where the engineers come in. Um, and then us as a building professional, we always want design build because we're there every step of the way, make sure budget, scope, timelines all line up. Uh, we're designed then build. We may get uh, given a set of drawings and we're like, that's great. It's not ready for permit. You don't have mm -hmm. all this selected. So all that time you spent there, you have another six months of selections we need to get done. Uh, before you can start rolling, we still need permits. So design build, we're just able to accommodate some timelines a little better, have some budget reality checks if we need to in the middle, um, and just make sure everything's rolling in one direction. So if I'm understanding you correctly, 
you're saying that with design build, several things can be happening at the same time, which then allows the project to uh, better manage the the dollars that are going to be spent because you are shortening the time it takes doing the 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 prep, the setup, the planning, as opposed to trying to do one part of that as best you can, and then now taking on the next part, doing them together allows for some efficiencies. And then you're saying that in working with uh, Irons Brothers, you have relationships with all these other um, uh, professionals, construction industry professionals, and you would work with the homeowner to let them know when another professional is needed. It's not even needed. We talked earlier about you don't necessarily have to be an architect to get a building permit here. Right. Get some engineering support or other things. And sometimes we go, this is a better path, but really you want this professional because of this. They eat, breathe, sleep it. They don't have to think about it. But yeah. You know, we're moving our office now. And I can tell you, sometimes we have to pull another architect to help in on just some standard typical details that that's all they do is commercial work versus residential. So everyone has specialties. Yeah. Designers, we were talking a little about, you know, kitchen or bath designers. Most can do both of those, but those both those spaces have the most utilities and trades of any room in your house. And it needs a lot more coordination and experience to give a good product. Yeah. And Kevin, I would summarize what you were saying and Joseph saying with a few words, accelerated start date would be one of them. That's a good, that's a good few words. <laughs> Teamwork is another one. Um, architects and designers are really good at what they do. We're really good at building. And when you yeah. put design together with build and the art, the contractor is the first point of contact who wants to build your job. We are going to work with you throughout the planning and design and architecture process so that it's buildable and achievable for your budget. And so it's cost savings, accelerated timeline and teamwork. With an eye on my particular budget. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's talk a little bit about something that is growing in public consciousness an awareness that if you want to be able to stay in your home as you move forward through time, it's a good idea to design your home in a way that um, the term is either universal design or aging in place, but to design your home in a way that makes it easier to use the home as mobility issues may affect you. So, do you guys ever have clients where they are trying to have the home be be more flexible in terms of mobility issues, changes in life as they move forward? And and if so, can you talk at all about some of the things that that you would recommend to help them have their home be more adaptable through time? Absolutely, yeah. We're many of our clients want to age in place they're older they're baby boomers um that's over half our clientele they that's their forever home we've also had some in that category where they had a traumatic change need 
uh, where they are confined to a wheelchair, which is a whole different perspective of window placement, hardware mm -hmm. placement, forward reach controls, light switches, faucets closer. So there's a lot of small changes. And it sort of goes back to what you're talking about designers and architects, hiring the right professionals. We are, me and Melissa are both uh, certified builders for the Building Industry Association of Washington. We're also both certified aging place specialists. Mm -hmm. We are not designers. If we're not realtors, if you're asking what your house value is, I'm going to say I can guess with Zillow and Redfin, but the reality is you should talk to a realtor and see what the real market <laughs> value is. Like that's right. a guess. Um, and back to sort of the process, if you're hiring an architect independently, you should still have that builder in those discussions early on, whether it's design, build or not. The sooner they're involved, the sooner the project can get implemented and make sure you, they can actually install any aging in place specific needs. Make sure they know how to put the right blocking in the wall. If there's an aging in place project, you should have an aging in place professional on the job, on the design team and the build team. Yeah. And what Joseph isn't sharing, Kevin, is he has been next year a CAPS certified aging in place specialist through National Home Builders. Next year, it'll be 20 years. Wow. He also is the educator for our state and local building industry association classes in certifying other builders, remodelers, and their employees in aging in place. And that class not only keeps him up to date with all of the current trends and aging in place design matters, but it also allows him to help the future generation. We oh, need to acknowledge and embrace what is our future in future homes, but yep. it's also our future generation. Well, it's just some people think an elevator may cost a lot, but if you have a three-level house, now you have three times the square foot as someone has access to. So sometimes investment makes sense. Other times we tell people this is not the right house for you. You should actually be looking at moving. We uh -huh. recently had a job. Uh, paraplegic? Is that what? Almost. I mean, she had a brain aneurysm, a client that looked one house she wanted to change. She brought an architect. It was like, this is not the right house for you and where you're at to have a good recovery. Um, they bought another house. We ended up remodeling that and seeing the progress in our client's condition was just heartwhelming to go, hey, this faucet, they can actually use these automatic doors that have a push button on her wheelchair. You know, she can use or a caregiver can use to open to get more access. Mm -hmm. Um being very able to body, it's very easy to go through a house and feel like one step isn't a big deal. But if you're confined to a chair, one step's a big wall to get in or out. You're not getting in and out. Um, so having that lens to go through, I and the only, I'm not as empathetic as my wife would say, but the empathy I see is when 12 years ago, I was in a bad motorcycle accident and I was getting through with crutches and, you know, few surgeries and neck braces and slings. And it made me really aware of how accessible our home was. Fortunately, I got certified. I took classes in 03, certified in 04. So I had all the training. I had some lever handles in my house. I had some wider areas. I mm -hmm. had motion lights, which I took advantage of every one of those. It was great. Um, but I also knew what didn't work because I was had that traumatic change. Um and there's really three segments in aging in place. We focus more on the planners um, that are planning for that change and they want to live in the house and realize what they're going through. We don't do a lot of traumatic change work. It's just the urgency. We don't, it's just not what we do. We do about 30 projects a year. 
and our projects are well planned in advance so we can design and make sure they accommodate for decades later. So if I'm understanding you, um, you uh, a contractor can choose what type of um, aging in place uh, design work they're doing. And you're saying that it's totally possible for a homeowner to work with a contractor like Irons Brothers, who is going to share with them, as long as we're doing the remodel, let's also do these few other things because this is the, the this is the time cost effectiveness wise to add in these other things that will give you the flexibility down the road to do more in terms of aging in place. So you don't have to go all out aging in place now. It's very correct. And most of that would just be universal design. There's adaptive de design, there's livable design, there's visible design, all these different segments inside that. Okay. And we would, and then it also goes to sensory things. Someone may have some blindness or sight issues. They may have some hearing issues. They may have some cognitive issues. They may have some smell or taste or feel. So those are things if we're aware of some of that, uh, we can help with the design to eliminate some of those safety issues. The first thing nice. is making the home safe, healthy, and accessible. So their first goal of any of the things is safety. Um, universal should not be seen. That's basically most commercial buildings. It's just good design, lever handles, wider doorways, wider paths. Not every home we can achieve that. On a custom home, yes, you can hit all those things. On an existing Seattle home with steps coming in and narrow hallways, right? we have to pick and choose where the clients are going to get the best uh, value out of the design, the best return on it. Yeah, that's helpful. So <clears throat> for the listeners, uh, if you are uh, getting your notes together for um, uh, an upcoming remodel, it says the type of thing that you can actually ask the builder about. How do you address the principles of universal design? And if the builder doesn't really have an answer, that could be a reason to keep searching. If you're going to be doing the remodel anyway, not being conscious of some of the things that Melissa and Joseph have mentioned, uh, being conscious of them and explaining to the client, hey, this is an opportunity for us to to. Uh, to do this or to do that, that will make your home more usable down the road should any of your circumstances change. Uh, so again, I encourage you to, to bring that up with your builder. Well, we're getting towards the end of the program, but I don't want to wrap up without uh, giving um, Melissa and Joseph an opportunity to, number one, explain to the listeners how you differentiate yourself from is some someone else doing uh, uh, high-end remodels? What's the difference between choosing Iron Brothers and choosing uh, ABC Contractors? And then secondly, I'd like you guys to just tell us how to get in touch with you. So let's first start with what's the difference between hiring Irons Brothers and hiring another contractor? For me, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. It's not a secret. Um, I'm likely going to see in the small radius we work and we can't do bad work. They're going to see me at the park, walking the dogs, hanging out with the kids, <laughs> the grocery stores, um, the kids auctions, the school functions. I mean, we're very involved in the community. Um, 
So for us, do business who you know, like, and trust, the biggest thing that we always hear is when something's done and something goes wrong, we show up and get it done immediately and expeditiously. So there's an issue and someone's not local, that's probably not going to happen the same. We deal with our warranty work within two weeks. We want to get it there and address. And if it's something, you know, appliance goes bad, we have to coordinate that. We're the ones coordinating those issues. So it's not an issue with the client. And Kevin, I think that Joseph brings up a good point. It's definitely about reputation. We have a outstanding reputation um, in our community, and that's 25 years long. Um, we also have that longevity. Uh, I talk with people all the time that call to talk about projects, and I ask them, well, have you remodeled before? Yes. Who did you use? I don't remember. Or uh, they're out of business. Well, we're not those people. Um, and and we're here to stay. But really, it's our vision, our mission, and our community impact statement that I think sets us apart from others. So um, Irons Brothers Construction is respected as the leader in the design build industry. That is our company's vision statement. Our mission is inspiring creative and custom designs with an exceptional building experience. And our community impact is very important, as Joseph said to you. So we provide um, and enrich lives in our community through caring and craftsmanship. And those are the standout, distinguishable characteristics to me. But, and I'm gonna go with a couple other things in there. We're gonna be honest, transparent, and give good communication. Mm-hmm. If it's a project that's not a good fit for us, we're going to tell them, unfortunately, this is not a good fit, how we operate. We have clients coming all the time. Hey, hey my brother-in-law's electrician. Can I do this? No, we cannot do that for insurance. <laughs> it's not how we operate. I'll have to charge you more. <laughs> yeah. And it's in many contracts, say it's their pain in the ass. We don't have that. We are time materials in construction, but we want to be within 5%. We are. Um, but because we do a lot of planning up front, we're planners right. at heart. We do a lot of planning. And if we know that client's going to require an extra hour a day, it's going to be in our budget. Hey, they need us an hour recap every morning. We're going to budget for that. But we know that in the design build process, we get to know clients very well and go, hey, you're going to expect to talk to, you know, the project manager or the carpenter or whoever on site. And we're going to budget that in. They don't use it. They don't get invoice for it. But we're not being honest or having good communication if we're not planning for that. Excellent. So let's see, how do, how does a listener get in touch with you? The um, There's a few ways. So we are, of course, online, ironsbc.com. Our social channels, we are on Instagram at ironsbc, same as our YouTube, as well as Facebook. Those are like our primary um, channels. And if you're interested in learning more about our company, I really suggest that you take a look at our website. And even if we're not the right fit, we're not in your service area, we have an education page and it has so much helpful information, a lot of which we've gone over today. Fantastic. Well, Melissa, Joseph, it has really been a privilege to have you on the program. You guys um, are exactly the the type of guests that uh, I, I really and trying to get to share a little bit of what they know. It's the knowledge that you share today is stuff that those of us in the industry, we know, 
but the homeowner doesn't so much know. So being able to have you get on and with 25 years of experience, share some of these little nuggets is going to save someone a lot of frustration because you're going to, they will have learned how to start that process of looking for a contractor, not just go to their website, but some of the other details. They'll, they'll um, get a sense for how important it is, the relationship, making sure that the process is not just a, a painful means to an end, but finding someone that is qualified, but also that you connect with so that the process is enjoyable. So that you look back on it as one of the greatest experiences, maybe you as a family enjoyed was working with the builder and, and creating a home that is truly a, a forever home, a dream home. And so I thank you for, for those little uh, nuggets of, of insight that, that you shared. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can download the whole program wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week.